Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, we'll be listening to PSY 352, Social Psychology with Professor Nathan Smith. I hope you listen and enjoy. So continuing on attitudes, are attitudes stable? Well, it depends. In general, the stronger the attitude, the more enduring it tends to be, but this gets back to our uh, the problem of measuring attitude strength. Do, does the person we're trying to measure even know uh, how strong their attitude is? Do they even know that they have the attitude? Um, so again, it becomes a measurement problem. We think, in general, the stronger the attitude, the more enduring it tends to be, but it can be awfully hard to measure that and demonstrate it. So what functions do attitudes serve? We have them. They obviously serve a function. So uh, they operate as schemas, that is mental frameworks that organize our social world. Uh, there's impression management, that is express attitudes to get others to form certain opinions of us. Um, if I tell you, um, if I tell you I love burritos, does that change your impression of me? If I tell you uh, I love chicken fried steak, does that change your impression of me? If I tell you I love um, Korean barbecue, does that change your impression of me? If I tell you uh, I love McDonald's, or if I tell you I love a very expensive restaurant, does that change your impression of me? So you can use your attitudes um, to influence how others form opinions of you. It's something that happens all the time. Uh, something that people do unconsciously all the time. Maybe the first time I meet you, uh, I don't talk about uh, my love for um, watching sports. If I think you don't like sports, maybe I'll talk about my love for some type of music. Something I think we'll have in more, uh, more in common. And again, this doesn't have to be conscious. Most of the time it's, it's subconscious. Um, it's just something people are doing. So the self-expression or self-identity, self-esteem boosters, um, and then it can be ego-defensive uh, as well, as most things can be. Uh, so attitudes can serve a lot of different um, functions. Are we always aware of our attitudes? No. This is very important. No, we are not always aware of our attitudes. Sometimes they are implicit. Um, so, uh, so when I was at Harvard uh, and working in the psych, um, or attending class, I suppose, in the psych department, um, on the 13th floor, I was working with Jim Sedanius. So you go up to the 13th floor, you take a right, you go to Jim's office, you go to the 13th floor, you take a left, you go to the office of uh, a woman named uh, Mazarin Banaji. And Banaji um, became famous in a book uh, by Malcolm Gladwell called Think which talks about the Implicit Attitudes Test, the IAT, which is a test you can use uh, to get at some of those um, attitudes that aren't conscious but might be below the surface. And uh, the, the IAT, the simple way it works is uh, you're shown a picture of some kind and you have to, as fast as you can, either move it to the right of your screen, which is the good side, or the left of your screen, the bad side. Um, so we'll, we'll discuss it in political parties, for example. So if you get the word um, Republican, 
and they tell you, okay, whenever you get the word Republican, I want you to move it to the good side as fast as you can, and when you get the word Democrat, I want you to move it to the bad side as fast as you can. So, uh, when you get the words, you move them into the right categories, and what they found was, um, subconsciously, it's harder for you to, to move a word that you like into the bad section, and easier for you to move a word you like into the good section. So, uh, if you are a Republican or have strong Republican leanings, you find it easier to quickly move that word into the good side and harder to quickly move that word into the bad side. So, using this test, you can test for uh, these implicit, um, implicit attitudes on a variety of different things that are very hard to test uh, otherwise. Race is an obvious example. Um, so, there's... Um, a history of racism, um, especially towards African Americans, towards Latinos, towards Asian Americans. Um, and it was found that uh, this racism, even amongst people who didn't think they have it, even amongst uh, the racial group themselves, um, amongst everyone, this implicit attitudes, these implicit racist attitudes exist. and. Uh, Banaji, amongst others, has been able to use her implicit attitudes test to demonstrate them. So, uh, something uh, worth reading more about, um, it's in Gladwell's book, Blink, as I mentioned. You can find uh, Dr. Banaji's work on it directly if you're interested. So, not only do we not know about these uh, attitudes, but we also have some tools to understand them better. So what affects the relationship between attitudes and behavior? All kinds of things. There are situational factors, social norms, time constraints. There are attitude features, the origin, the strength, the specificity. And then personal factors, high self-monitors versus low self-monitors. I'm just, just trying to think of some specific examples. So, for example, attitude features the origin of an attitude. Do you have an attitude because your, your grandfather or grandmother used to tell you that something was true? Um, do you have an attitude? Is an attitude stronger in you or is it less strong? Um, for example, a lot of people uh, in, in the South in Alabama have a strong preference for Auburn versus Alabama. Um, very strong, almost violent at times. But um, if you're me, which none of you are, but I am, uh, I have one friend from high school who went to Alabama, so I kind of half-heartedly root for Alabama if I see them on TV somewhere. Not a very strong attitude, just something that kind of comes up. Oh, Alabama. Oh, I kind of hope vaguely that they win, um, but I don't really care very much. So that strength, there's a wide variety of, uh, of differences in, in strength. So when does behavior affect attitude? And now we're switching directions. This is something social psych loves to do. If attitude affects behavior, can we affect um, can we affect attitude with behavior? So can we change the direction of the arrow? And we know that attitudes affect behavior, so let's try and change the direction there. So uh, engaging in a particular behavior long enough can cause a change in our behavior toward that situation. This is a little bit of a strange idea, but it's been found to be true over and over again. Of course it can be good or bad. Um, 
when saying becomes believing. So dehumanizing behaviors towards others, even when you don't really want to do so, can result in bad or evil attitudes. Um, so you can have an experiment, you can bring people into a lab, and you can have one person act in a dehumanizing way towards another. Um, and you can tell them, you know, hey, I need you to do this thing, this dehumanizing thing. Um, and even though that person doesn't want to, they might say, okay, I'll do this, but I really don't, I like this person, I don't want to dehumanize them. If they do it, it doesn't really take that long. They do it for half an hour, at the end, they're going to have more negative feelings towards this person. They're going to feel that the person is less of a human being, not because they wanted to or because they believe in it, but because their actions have kind of taught them subconsciously that it's true. This is a very interesting concept um, as it relates to prejudice and bias. Um, because you, do, you don't have to want to dehumanize someone um, if you just see them being dehumanized over and over again, that will sort of get written into your, uh, your understanding. Something interesting to think about. Uh, a good example of this, uh, role-playing sometimes, a role and our attitude begin to match. For example, the Macho Police Officer in the Stanford Prison Study. Stanford Prison is another book that is on my shelf in my office right now. Uh, I have headphones on, so I can't get up from my desk and go grab it, but um, the book, the, uh, the Lucifer Effect by Philip Zimbardo, who is at Stanford, contains his whole story of the Stanford uh, prison experiment. Uh, it's an important one to know in social psychology. And moral hypocrisy acting contrary to our professed beliefs and attitudes um, can be, uh, obviously, uh, have very negative outcomes. So, how do attitudes bias social perception? Pre-existing attitudes often bias our perceptions of social information. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Things like confirmation bias regarding the accuracy of evidence, etc. If you already have um, attitudes that make you think that a particular person is guilty or innocent, um, then uh, you will pull from, from uh, the information information that is confirms your pre-established biases. Uh, if any of you have heard of the film program Serial, which is about uh, an individual who we didn't know was guilty or not guilty from a crime, uh, it's, it's uh, a good example. Uh, there's a, a split just about 50-50 in whether people think the person is guilty or innocent, which doesn't really make sense because everybody listened to the same broadcast, but we find that Listening to the same broadcast is less important than their pre-existing attitudes about the person uh, and about criminals or crime in general. So CFR uh, view of attitudes. Scripture addresses overarching attitudes regarding moral issues, that is, hate, evil, love, good, a uh, number of examples uh, of, similar, of a similar concept. The scriptural descriptions of humans are consistent with the pervasive nature of attitudes. And then there's some scripture that is consistent with the idea of implicit attitudes that need to be revealed. Uh, and in this example, we look to the Psalms for that. Uh, just finishing up that thought, 
Uh, moral hypocrisy is a frequent concept in scripture, but potential for virtue is also. Uh, and this view acknowledges both the capacity for appearing moral and also acting moral. Uh, that is the difference between those things. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, if you remember uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. And also encouraging virtues such as gratitude can result in moral behavior when compared with encouraging pride. So uh, encouraging these virtues can actually have a, a tangible effect, um, tangible beneficial effect on moral behavior.